Hey y'all, what's up? It's Dijon. Thanks for being here. If you are a music lover and you enjoy what you hear here today, please join the community and help us grow it by sharing this on social media, subscribing wherever you're listening, and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Listening to the soul of a song. This is where musicians open their hearts and let us into their creative process. This is where they share the source of their inspiration. Enjoy. All right. This is a super fun episode of the soul of a song. I'm here with Parker Gispert front man of the band the wigs and i believe you also have like solo work you're doing now right yes yeah parker was probably the first human being that i like actually saw like start to take his music seriously and like manifest himself as a musician and now that i'm a musician i took tons of inspiration from his path and the way he like showed up for his life so that was really cool but you know, we went to high school together and then in, in college, and I remember you always had a guitar with you. Like you're always playing songs just like around. <laughs> and then in college, he started writing his, his own songs and they formed a band with called The Wigs with another friend of ours, Julian Dorio. And we were in Athens and they just like, they had the, the community and the adoration of everybody there because it was just like, Whenever a wig show would come on, like everyone was there. It was like the community event and they fucking rocked it every time. And I was super inspired and also used to film their stuff. So first of all, just thank you for being here, Parker. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I love all of their albums and I was just reconnecting with Parker because I re-listened to a bunch of them and I was like, these songs are still so awesome. I want to talk about them. And one of my favorite songs in the week's catalog is a song off of uh, Mission Control called I Got Ideas. Cause I, I just like your style of writing is kind of abstract, but it's also like direct and emotional. And then there's all these elements, you know, the horns and it's just catchy and there's rock. So I would love for you just to say what your inspiration was for it and like what was going on in your life at that time and what the vibe was like. Nice. Yeah, so it was our second album we had made our first album, Give Them All Big Fat Lip, ourselves. And what I mean by that is we funded the album ourselves. We bought a bunch of gear on eBay, used it to record the album, and then sold the gear back on eBay. Yeah, so the second album, we were signed to ATO Records. We were recording at Sunset Sound and Sound Factory in Hollywood. And this album was not being made for free. You know, there was money being spent. And I think that it just changed my headspace a little bit. For instance, and I only bring that up because the song I Got Ideas, I, I typically at that time, my writing process has changed a lot. But at that time, I, and I'm still this way a lot of the time, but words would come out naturally. I'd be reacting to a piece of music. I'd start singing 
And I wouldn't be really thinking about what I was seeing. I was just freestyling and, and looking for cool melodies and cool phonetics. And I wasn't so worried about like the song being congruent or, you know, I was more just looking for those other things. And when I got ideas, I just remember that I had the, I had the melodies and I had some words but whenever we would make a demo, and we made a demo for every song that was ever on any of our albums, whenever I made a demo, I would try to write some real, quote unquote, real lyrics. And for I Got Ideas, I remember that I just wrote it really quickly. And it was about something real specific that was going on with me at the time. And when we went to record the album, I think just because I had written them so quickly, I normally really labored over words, like I'd spend just tons of time on lyrics and just the minutia of every word. And I'd write the song a million different ways. And I think just because this one came so easily to me, I really overthought it. We were in this fancy studio and it, it just didn't seem like something that came so easily was almost like worthy of uh, being on this big stage, uh, this big platform. So I remember when we recorded the song, <clears throat> I got in there to sing it and I started singing all these totally different words. I think I had rewritten the song about my car. It was called like, I got junk or like I like driving around in this piece of junk that was my Volvo at the time. It's all about this car. And I don't know if they remember this, but the producer Rob Schnaff and I'm pretty sure Julian were both kind of like, what are you doing? Like what, what are you seeing? What, where, where are these, where are these words coming from? Like what's going on right now? And I sort of had to just have them. I remember Rob specifically, the producer stepping in and being like, no, like I, I liked what the words were on the demo and you know, they, they didn't have a problem with the way that it was originally. So yeah, I walked back in and I sang what is now on the album but it almost went a very different direction. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad that <laughs> I had a good, I'm glad I had a good producer and a good bandmate in the room to uh, encourage me to go back to what I had initially, even though it didn't take me that, that long to write it. Yeah, I'm glad you did too. I mean, think hearing that is funny because the song seems so personal. I mean, it, it, the first line is I always knew that I could tell you anything, but I never knew that you would block out everything. seems like such a, a personal conversation you're having in a specific relationship. So to, to have it addressed to a car or something like that would, would totally change the vibe. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it was, it was real specific at the time. I, I think it's sort of like that Led Zeppelin song, Communication Breakdown. It's just, you know, about a relationship and about selective hearing and, you know, when it ultimately doesn't work out and people are asking you why the relationship didn't work out and you still have respect for the person that you're in a relationship with and you might not want to give them the nitty gritty details, you know, so maybe you conceal a little bit of, of the truth in a white lie, not because it's going to harm anybody. That's why it's a white lie, you know, but it's more out of like respect 
that you don't really feel like giving someone maybe some of the real reasons because those are personal between you and the other person that you're in a relationship with. And yeah, that's, that's more or less what, what the song is about. Yeah. So for, in your songwriting process, were you writing these songs in generalities based on your perspective on relationships or did you write them specifically, you know, communicating with one person in, like in your mind? I think they're all different. You know, that album in particular, Like a Vibration. Like a Vibration Right Hand on My Heart. same day and those were based on stuff that was going on in my philosophy classes that I was reading and and those came from that and then production city came from the experience of being in Los Angeles I never want to go home came with from my relationship with touring. Bev was a personal relationship.
I got ideas was a personal relationship. Need you was I wrote in the wake of 9/11. And uh, Mission Control was about me, sort of the perception of us maybe being about to blast off in our careers, you know, with, with our second album. And I was kind of like saying goodbye to maybe what my life had been like and preparing myself for what it was about to become. So they're kind of all over the place. That's amazing. First of all, hearing you name all of those songs just, just makes me remember like how much of a classic this album is. There's so many awesome songs. So first of all, good work. Thank and, you. Yeah. And secondly, you know, at that time, I remember your trajectory as a band and it went from like y'all playing in like the Earl or uh, in Athens, the little places to getting signed by ATO and then going on this dream. And that was, you know, I don't know, like 10, 10 years ago or 10 plus years ago. And now being at this point in your career, like looking back on that process, like what are your reflections on kind of like your time with the wigs and growing and where you're at now as a creative? Yeah, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, when I think back on it and I've, I've done a good amount of reflection in the last maybe year or a couple of years about it all, because when it was happening, it was just all happening really fast. We had had our initial band dynamic had crumbled by the time we were making this second album. We had lost our founding member, Hank Sullivan. And when we were writing this album, we had three different bass players who contributed as the third member on this album. I Got Ideas, for instance, was the bassist from The Glands, this guy Craig McQuiston. And then we had Adam Saunders and basically a few different people. And we were just, we just kind of put our, our heads down and just worked through these, these things that might have been roadblocks for uh, where we wanted to go. You know, it was a uh, a dream of mine to play on television. I was obsessed with taping late night shows like Letterman or Leno and Conan and taping bands perform on those shows. And that was, you know, my biggest goal growing up was to play on that stuff. And I felt like we had been signed and I felt like those things were real possibilities for us. And it was a super bummer to lose a bandmate. but 
I knew in the back of my mind that if we could just work through it and keep focused on writing great songs, that there'd be all these things waiting on the other end for me. And, and there were, you know, I was right in that suspicion. So I think when I reflect on it, it's, I, I remember like really great times with Julian, our drummer, who I went to high school with. And, you know, when we lost the third member, it was, it was kind of asking a lot of him to sort of renew his faith in me, you know, and, and trust me that, that we're going to make it through this. I remember when our first member left Hank, you know, within maybe 30 minutes of him dropping the news on us, on us, I remember, you know, going into Julian's room and just being like, this is not over. You know, we're going to work through this. Like we're going to, you know, keep trucking and like, this is going to be great, you know? And it was kind of asking a lot for someone to believe me in that situation. I mean, he did and he, he trusted me and we, we ended up making a great record. So I remember that aspect of it, just having fun with Julian and also feeling really good about our relationship and um, just all the work that went into it. Yeah. I hear that, man. And now that I'm in a, do music myself i've had situations where people have left projects and i understand on a on some level what's that like we we weren't at the same level of success that y'all were at and approaching so i can only imagine that feeling like deflating under those circumstances but yeah i think y'all did keep trucking and did make a great album and it was fun continuing to see your ascension you know like i remember when y'all would like come to outside lands and I would come see you in San Francisco and y'all rock the stage, that would be really fun. And yeah, it was yes. cool. Good times. Yeah, man. Well, back to, you know, I got ideas and just your songwriting in general. There are two specific aspects that I really enjoy about your songwriting. And one is your, your gift for, for melody. Um, Thank you. And like, but now listen, cause you're missing how I'm feeling inside. And now I think it's shocking. I'm the person you find. It's just, it's so good. And uh, thank you. Yeah. And then also the fact that your your voice is very singular, like your your style of singing is very unique. And I was wondering how you got to a place, I don't know, to like be comfortable with your style of singing or to, to develop your own style of singing. Yeah. No, I think it's, you know, when you first start out, at least for me, it's like you pick up the guitar and you're singing songs and like I would just kind of naturally emulate who my influences were you know I would just kind of sound like the people that I was listening to without even really thinking about it just as I was learning and and I was able to pretty early on reflect and sort of think about the singers that I was really inspired by and you know Bob Dylan was a favorite huge influence on me and at the time that I was kind of graduating high school 
Modest Mouse or Pavement were big influences. And none of them were, quote unquote, great singers. You know, like the singer Modest Mouse had a lisp. I also have a slight lisp. And it occurred to me that I think what I loved about all of them is is how they were just themselves. And they sang like themselves. And when I heard them come on the radio or whatever, I instantly knew that it was them. You know, there was no ambiguity as to who it was. And, and I think that, you know, the most powerful thing that I can hear in music is honesty and someone not trying to sound like someone else and someone not being insecure about who they are and just not being afraid to be themselves and sound like themselves. So, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a catch 22 because you know, you'll hear people on the radio or you'll hear artists all the time. You know, music is saturated with that and has always been where, you know, stuff sounds similar and a certain sound is prevalent. And it's sort of like, you know, who is this? It could be one of four people or something. But I think at the end of the day, like the great people really hone in on what makes them unique. So I don't know if I've done that, but it's always been something that I've made a conscious effort every time I write or sing or be true to myself and and trying to something just to be accepted. Yeah, I totally agree with that sentiment and also feel like you really did do that, you know, and thank you. Yeah. I think that there's, there's, pros and cons to any aspect of music i think and nowadays with playlist and that kind of vibe where i think people listen more to singles and playlist there's a certain uniformity that people try to adhere to so that when you're going from song to song you know it flows like it's in a certain vibe like this is on this particular vibe playlist right which you know, it can be cool because it's like you can discover new music that way. And at the same time, a lot of that stuff you're not going to listen to later because it's not distinctive. And it's not something you really remember. Like the experience I had with your music where it, it just literally popped into my mind one day and I was just like, I need to listen to the wigs. And I listened to like three albums in one day, just like going on that adventure love that yeah and uh, you know all your idiosyncrasies like at the end of uh i got ideas that part you know when you're like oh You know that part? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just so, it's so you, you know, and it, yes. you tell that you're really feeling it. Like you're, you're in the music, right? Like you're, it's, it's sincere and that's really cool. Yeah. No, you're that part in particular, like you're exactly right. Like I remember being conscious of that part and honestly, I would give yourself a pat on the back 
this might be random for your listeners to hear, but I remember specifically like being in college and our first album had come out, Give Them All a Big Fat Lip. And there was something in the title track, Give Them All a Big Fat Lip, that was a similar kind of thing. It was like a snarl or like the way that I had said a word in particular that was kind of in the same vein of that thing at the end of I, I Got Ideas. And I specifically remember you telling me that you dug that and that you, you know, thought it was cool. And, you know, for me early on, like I really latched on to those kind of things when my friends would tell me stuff like that, because yeah, it's like, you know, when people are out and they're imitating like, like uh, Elvis or, you know, like, the kind of those little personality I, I, I don't want to do a bad Elvis impression right now. But like <laughs> those those like little quirks, you know, that are like unique to you are like people latch on to that stuff, you know? Like it really I don't know. They they just grip onto it and they like to sing it like that and they like to imitate it, you know, it's it's cool. Yeah, man. And it's super cool. It's like, it's real. And that's what I think we need more than anything in general. But especially now, it's just people being real and authentic and hearing you articulate what you value in music is really cool because, you know, I, I, that's how I make my music. You know, I wouldn't classify my voice as a great voice in the sense of like, you know, Whitney Houston or Adele or anything like that. But I think I do continue in the trajectory that you just discussed, which was being myself and being authentic and, and generally when people hear the music they acknowledge that like it's emotional you know yes no i i think that you know that becomes your greatest strength you know it it, it might seem like a roadblock at first and then the more you think about it it's like you know your voice is unique to you and that's like the strongest thing that you got going for you almost, you know, if, if you're a vocalist, I think, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it gives you an opportunity to use it to your advantage. I think about Bob Dylan a lot, but it's like, you know, somebody's a great singer. Like if you're on American Idol or something, it's like, you might miss the words because the melody is just so beautiful. You're thinking about, the way that they're vocalizing and and that's where your attention goes. And if you're Bob Dylan, that doesn't that's not really coming into play. The only really thing that you have to latch onto is the words. And that's that's where it should be. You know, it kind of like puts your puts you concentrating on the right thing, if that makes any sense. And I think that it's it's actually really important. And it's funny you mentioned that playlisting thing. Because I totally agree, it's it's one of my uh, major qualms with the way we digest modern music, and and I I get why it's cool to have continuity and to make a playlist. But there was a really mean spirited, unfortunately, Pitchfork article on this band. God, I'm gonna blank on their name. They're like rock band, young kids. People are like making fun of them a lot, which I feel bad for them about like they're kind of like a led zeppelin knockoff sort of vibe does that ring any bells you know uh, talking about i'm not sure well anyways 
the article was explaining why they're so perfect for the way we digest music now. It's like they sound so much like Zeppelin and like all this classic rock that they're easy to stick on a playlist that people are already listening to like all this classic rock. It's an easy format to like plug them into that playlist now, you know? And the article was explaining how in 2020, you get penalized for being unique and for being individual and for standing out because it's harder to find 20 other songs that sound like you that you can just like fit somebody into. It's like, does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it, it totally makes sense. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm really enjoying this conversation because I enjoy the perspective you have about music in general, but that comment reminds me of something you said about Pitchfork a long time ago, which was that you had a preference for informative websites versus taste-forming websites. And you said Pitchfork was a taste-forming website and something like all music was more of an informative one, or at least it was at that time. And, you know, I've had cool experiences with Pitchfork, but to be a professional critic in a way seems really silly to me because I don't feel like anyone really grows up wanting to, you know, be a critic of music. I feel like people probably grow up wanting to be musicians and then maybe you write about it instead. Like I know I had that same thing, like, cause I would film all of you guys' shows and it was like, I, I would film them because I enjoyed doing that, but really I wanted to be playing music, you know? So I feel like to be able to step out from behind the camera or b- behind the critics gaze and actually be vulnerable and create something yourself is something to aspire to, you know? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And, and by the way, I'm so happy that you filmed that stuff. I'm like eternally grateful that you were there and that you captured it because no one else was doing it. And I'm so happy that that exists. So first of all, just thanks for doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that yeah. Live, at, Live at the Earl show is still on YouTube, by the way.
I mean, I'm so happy. I mean, at least one song is, I wonder if there's more that maybe you have that's not out there, but, but uh, yeah, in terms of the critic thing, it's like the Strokes had a new album that just came out and I've been reading a lot of the press about it. And uh, there was this one article, if you could call it that, that was on CNN. And it was basically just like, Rock band The Strokes have a new album out. It was produced by this guy. It's released on this label. The band is probably best known for these couple songs, and it's out now. You know, it's like <laughs> if 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 you want to listen to it, like go for it. But like you know, I like the kind of journalism that's like, hey, like. The album was produced by this guy. It was recorded here. It's out now. Like, you know, just tell me, like, the nuts and bolts as to, like, what is actually happening here. And then if you're curious about the music, like, don't read. Listen to the music, right, you know? Right, I I totally agree, because especially before you listen to it, because you don't want someone else's opinion influencing your experience of the music you know i think the the coolest music review i've ever read was a guy in fader who reviewed wolfgang amadeus phoenix and nice our wolf yeah i think that was the name of the album the one with like listomania and that was like their 1901 their like crossover album and yeah. his, his review was so personal it was so incredible and, and what he said was he came out on his way to paris on a in a relationship with his girlfriend who he was in love with and how you know they listened to it together and it was such a happy album and and they over the course of their trip they were there for a few months broke up and went their separate ways and he kept listening to the album and then the album started sounding really sad to him and he heard all the different tones. And instead of talking, like judging the album, he really talked about his experience. And that was one of the albums that I listened to 
like every day for months and him communicating his experience helped me to hear how you could hear the songs both ways, you know, and there was that much range in the expression. So that was one thing that was really cool. And for me, it's the same way you said that honesty is the best thing. I think like accepting that we all have a subjective perspective and just communicating our subjectivity is what I look for in anyone's expression. Yeah, no, that's, that's perfect story. And I mean, I'm sure we've all, we all hopefully have a records vinyl and uh, you know, you look at like the back of like old records and there'll be a ton of writing. Like I'm looking at this Count Basie, Joe Williams album right now. And it's like, it's just filled with information. You know, it's just filled with, you know, who's playing what and who's taking what solo and the backdrop of the album. Like there's so much you can write about that's objective. And then, and with the story that you're talking about, there's also like so much you can write about that's just like really personal, you know, and, and like what better thing to write about than your own experience, you know, it's, you know, you, that's like a great thing to share and, and people can, you know, react to it by comparing it to their own experience with it, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, as a, as you are a inspiration musically, to me and my musical journey, I know you just watched my first videos. I would love to hear your subjective experience of that song and that creation, if you're willing to share. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, first of all, it's, you know, I, I remember you from way before the video that I just watched, you know, 20 minutes ago or whatever. So like when I'm watching the video, I'm thinking about my friend and where he's at right now. And, and, you know, he's like, I was saying, like, it was really cool for me to, to hear some of the themes in your lyrics, like, you know, regrowth and, you know, reborn and, like with the that there was something going on in a relationship where you're asking for another chance can we find a way to begin again and darkness and light like the that theme to me some of the more just like old themes I think are just so powerful, like darkness and light. We, we have an album called In the Dark, but, and I tried to tap into it in my own way there, but it's like, you know, the Hank Williams song, I Saw the Light. It's like, I just like was really happy to hear you honing in on some of those classic themes and then inserting yourself inside those classic themes and experiencing those classic themes through your individual self. 
searching for my soul Baby, I'm tired So tired But all the pain, it falls away Cause my true self is here to stay Because I feel like, you know, it, it, it could be, you know, theoretically like too unique, you know, it's like you're sharing yourself, but you're sharing yourself through these classic themes. And I think those themes are classic because everybody can relate to them. And so even though you're sharing, you know, your individual self, you're also creating something that like everybody can relate to, you know, you talked in your song about wanting to feel whole, you know, and once again, it's like, I just think that that is such an age old theme. It's like, I can totally relate to that, you know? I look inside my mind. Let me tell you what I find. I find myself. That's my greatest wealth. That's my truth. That's my soul. My only goal is to become whole. And by the way, when I say age-old theme, I don't mean that as like, you know, oh, this is unoriginal or something like that. I mean, <laughs> it in, in the exact opposite, I, I feel like, you know, when you look at great art, great literature, great music, and you step away from it, you know, you can identify some of these concepts that, that come up and um, they come up because of these exact reasons. I think that they're something that people have been experiencing for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, you know what I mean? So what I like when I hear art or see art is to hear how, or to see how these themes uh, manifest themselves in a present context you know how does this theme that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years how does it look in 2020 through through dijon you know and specifically i like how the song is broken up into two sections like to me like when i heard it there, there's kind of like a beginning part and then it it switches into a different gear. Yeah, I, I really it's actually like what, two songs. Yeah, yeah, and I like that. Like that is classic for me personally. Just something that is in line with my taste. I like when a song does that. And um, at the end of hearing it, you know, it seemed like the theme that you arrived at eventually 
like at the end there was just this theme of love. To me, the Beatles are like probably my favorite band ever. I think they're probably the, the greatest band ever, you know, just my own opinion. But I always loved when you talk to those guys modern day, like if Ringo Starr or uh, Paul McCartney and John and George before they each passed, like when they would ask them about the Beatles and like what they were most proud of with all their accomplishments and everything, they would always say that they were just proud that their songs were about love and that the message of their music was love. You know, that was kind of like the big takeaway for them was that if they had anything for the general public to like pick up, it was love. You know, that was their message. And I, I just think that that's powerful. And uh, once again, it's uh, cool that you uh, tapped into that with your song. Thanks, man. I really, I really appreciate that, especially coming from you. And I agree with everything you said. I feel like, you know, this podcast is called The Soul of a Song, and we've gotten down to it. You know, we've never, I don't know that we've ever talked about like our spiritual beliefs, but my personally is that we're all manifestations of the same energy and we're all in our own experience of like growing and realizing our full self. And that's why the subjective, you know, sharing of that is so compelling because it's like, well, this is what this person's hero's journey is like, you know, and we get to see ourselves reflected in another way. And it's great. And I'm glad that you heard the themes. I really appreciate the way you, you listen to music because I feel like you appreciate the aesthetics, but ultimately what is more important to you is the, the content, like the theme of it, right? And yes. for people that are able to do both, I think that's the, the highest, which is to me what the Beatles are, you know, because they can do both. But just the message of love and connection is ultimately like the most powerful thing. So I think that, you know, you, you really show the mindset of a great artist in this conversation. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the way your energy has influenced my personal creative development. And um, thank you for the gems that you've, you've left with your art so far. Hey, thanks so much. No, total pleasure um, and an honor. So appreciate you having me on and, uh, you know, keep up the great work with uh, your own art and the podcast and, uh, you know, your own journey. I will. Thank you. And before we, we turn off here, I, I believe that you're working on more solo stuff. So I would love to 
hear what you're working on now and what people can look forward to. Yeah. So I got my first solo album out. It's just under my name, Parker Gispert, G-I-S-P-E-R-T. And yeah, it came out at the end of 2018. Um, I was at kind of a fork in the road. I'd been playing in my band for about, you know, 17 years. And, you know, I, I just didn't know what I was going to do with my life. The band wasn't going to be as active as, as we had been. And I didn't know if it was time for me just to switch gears and like live a different life and do something totally different than music. And through questioning that, I ended up arriving at, no, like, I still love this. I have more to give. And I'm just going to go out there and make the best album that I can possibly make. And so that's what I did. It's called Sunlight Tonight. And I'm super proud of it. It's really different than the band. I didn't ever play acoustic guitar with the band. And I'm playing acoustic guitar on the album. I tried to challenge myself to not use the instrumentation that I had with the band. So there's there's drums on maybe three out of eight songs, but there's a lot of the songs that are just guitar and stringed instruments. I got a little all over the place with the aesthetic in terms of instrumentation. There's cellos and harps <laughs> and different singers and horns and just all sorts of stuff, which was really liberating and really fun for me to bring these other instruments into the fold and not have to worry about replicating them live because I knew that when I went out on tour, I was just going to do it singer-songwriter style, which that was another sort of light bulb for me. It sort of occurred to me that a lot of my um, biggest inspirations, like the Bob Dylans or Neil Youngs or Joni Mitchells, you know, were solo performers. And, you know, obviously like a lot of old blues artists were performing by themselves and, you know, like a jazz pianist playing by themselves. It just was like a new challenge for me. Like, can I perform live by myself? And then also, you know, in the studio, can I make an album that is different from what people are going to see on the stage? So, so yeah, that was my journey with that and I'm really psyched on it. Check it out. And I'm not sure what's going to happen next, you know, trying kind of like where I was before I made the first album, kind of back in that place right now. Obviously, coronavirus is happening. And I read a article in Syria again last week. They said they didn't think they'd have concerts until fall 2021. So I make my living solely as a touring musician. You know, I get in a car by myself and drive around the country by myself. I've been doing that for a few years now and just play shows as many nights as I can. And that's how I support myself. So it's definitely a uh, pretty big blow to my current lifestyle. So I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to do something else, you know, but as I'm doing that, I'm also trying to, I don't know, I'm just trying to figure out what's next. So we'll see, but I got one solo album out there and I got five albums with the wig. So <laughs> amazing. Well, yeah, bud. Uh, I hear you, man. And I don't know what's going to happen either. I don't think any of us do, but 
I guess we can just be in that place of, of surrender. And in the meantime, I'm very excited to listen to your solo because I didn't know that that was out, but I'm excited to listen to it. And my project, Indigo Keys, the first album with me as the vocalist will be out soon. So I look forward to sharing that with you. And then maybe we can reconnect, not on a podcast, but just as friends and talk about our experience of each other's albums. That would be fun. Hey, I'm into it. And uh, congratulations again on the video and on the upcoming album. And thanks again for having me. Thank you so much, Parker. Uh, thanks, Souls of a Song community. This has been a great episode, and we'll catch you all next time. Peace. And of course, we almost forgot because we went so many different directions during this podcast, which I really enjoyed. But the song that we originally were talking about was I Got Ideas off the Mission Control album. So now that you know the richness and the history of the making of it and all the energy around it, please enjoy I Got Ideas.
Yeah, yeah. That was this week's episode of The Soul of a Song. I hope you feel as inspired as I do. I hope you got some great insight into the creative process and how we can transmute everything within us into something beautiful. If you appreciate the energy we're building here and want to support this community, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, share this with a friend, and tune in next week. Much love, fam. This is your boy, Dijon. We out.